0: Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutes, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and his word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. Man, praise God for the opportunity to be able to worship him, isn't it? Uh, it's, uh, it's, It's more than just songs that we sing, guys. It really is. It's our opportunity to just pour out our hearts to him. I don't know if you ever just had that opportunity in your car, just privately worshiping God. You know, it just brings you to a place where you're just like broken before Him. Um, And I pray that um, you and I would all have encounters with Him privately and corporately, where we can worship Him in spirit and in truth. And uh, I pray that it happens to you often. um, Because, you know, what we are doing here is not just playing church. There is a real God that is... um, seated on a throne, and he is worthy of worship and praise. And if we don't worship him with the respect and the authority that he has, I just can't imagine the irreverence sometimes that God must look at and just go, wow. You know, I mean, myself included, you know, Uh, so... Um, it's important for us to make sure that we remember who we're worshiping, you know, when we have, whenever we gather corporately together. So thank you today for, for joining us uh, together in, in worship. Today we're continuing in a, uh, a series that I've titled Invisible, strange title for a message series. But as I was away for a, uh, about a 30-day period of time with, uh, with what I would consider a sabbatical, a time to minister to my family and work on my my spiritual health, my mental health, my physical health, um, chasing after God, I found myself uh, finding this invisible theme that was just kept going through. And part of it's just chasing after, seeking the face of an invisible God can be very difficult when you're someone like me who can get easily distracted with so many different things that were vying for my attention. And so I wanted to focus on him, but yet... There were some times where he was quiet. There were some times that that I was trying to be still, but would have a difficult time being still long enough to even want to hear from him. And so uh, as I walked through that journey, um, several things began to stir inside my heart, and I'm just trying to put them together in some practical messages for us that also align with what's happening in the church. And I prayed and prayed and prayed for God's church here at North Point. Realizing it doesn't belong to me, it doesn't belong to the staff, it doesn't belong to you. God has placed this church here for a purpose, and and we are to be a steward of this church for however long that He allows us to be a steward of it. And that that stewardship requires a responsibility for us to uh, to act upon. And and I, I'm I'm praying that God would allow us to be good stewards of that. And so. Um, today, you have an opportunity at the end of this message to practice that good stewardship and, and to be a part and help serving the church, uh, because I really believe that God has some incredible days ahead planned for us, but those days are going to require us to partner together to serve, and so at the end of the message, you'll have an opportunity to be able to serve uh, and to sign up to serve, and I pray that you would take, take full advantage of that. Um, because A, we need it, and B, um, the future uh, folks that God is going to send to us, um, are we need to be able to serve them well, because uh, we need to take care of who God sends us so that he would entrust to us more people, not for numerics, but that to give us an opportunity to be able to reach more people for Christ. Uh, I've said for so long, uh, and our staff knows this, and if you've been in any one of my classes, I will say over and over and over again that spiritual health is much more important than numeric growth within a church. And so I, I, I never make a decision based upon numeric growth, but spiritual health is the most important thing we do. And that's the topic really of today's message when we get into the issue of invisible faith. Because um, the we'll, we'll talk today about our faith, because our faith is a really an important uh, essential because your faith and my faith, um, if I'm growing in my faith, if I, my faith is active, then I feel close to God. And if, if my faith is inactive, then I feel far away from God. When my faith is active, my prayers are alive, and I feel like, man, I'm just close to God. Yeah. Um, but when, when I feel like my faith is inactive, my my prayers somehow feel like they just are lacking. And I find myself doing this in my Bible study. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll just read Mark today. And, and then you start reading Mark. You're like, I don't know, I'm not really getting anything out of Mark. Sue, so I guess I'll do Proverbs. And then I'll, like, I'm so tired of reading Proverbs. I guess I'm just going to go read Psalms. And then, why is everyone attacking David all the time? And then you're like, oh, Sue, so, no one's attacking me right now. So maybe I'll, you know, you know what I'm saying? And we look and we search the scriptures for something that kind of meets my needs. And then we go, okay, I'll meditate on that because that kind of fits what I'm... And then it doesn't really feel rewarding. Have you ever done that? I mean, I've done it. I I can't be the only person that's like done that. Uh, And so what I don't want to have happen for you, and I don't want it to ever happen for me, is that my faith feels like it grows stagnant and stale. And I found that the best barometer... And the best gauge, if you will, or thermometer of my relationship with God, seems to find and and seems to be all predicated around what's happening in my faith. And so, when my faith is strong, and when my faith is active, and my faith is growing, my relationship with God is doing all those same things. And so, today, I want to talk about talk about that uh, with you. So. Um, we we'll start off with reading Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and it talks about faith. So faith is, is what it says. Faith is, um, is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. You may have memorized it like I did years ago. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. With the evidence that is not seen. So faith is invisible. And so, how do you quantify it? And how do you explain it? And, and be, but it, although faith is invisible, it shouldn't be a mystery. It, it should be explainable. And while faith is invisible for a Christian, faith should not be unnoticed. There should be something noticeable about your faith. Although it's sometimes hard to quantify or explain, and and I'm going to do my best to explain that, especially if you wouldn't consider yourself a church person or a churchy person or a Christian, so to speak. But while faith is invisible, it shouldn't be unnoticed, so there should be some outward signs of that faith. But in addition to that, while faith is invisible, it should be measurable. There should be ways for us to measure it. it. It can be measured and it should be measured as we mature in our faith. Because for Christians, our faith is our foundation. It is what our hope is built upon. It is the substance of things hoped for. So what is where we hope for? Well, we hope uh, in, in that, that we have a home eternal in heaven. You see, for us, we have um, the promise that because of our faith, that our soul will live eternally with Jesus Christ in heaven. Because our soul, as we know, um, and if you don't know, this is an important thing to pay attention to, is that your soul will live eternally somewhere. Your body will die because it has an expiration date. It's about 120 years. No one usually lives beyond that, God's word says. And so we're going to die up to some point before then. And so we will spend, our soul will live eternally somewhere else. And so it will either live in hell separated from God or eternally in heaven with God. And so because of the hope that we have, we have, and through Jesus Christ, we have a hope and confidence that we'll spend eternity with God in heaven. It's the foundation of what we believe. But not only is it the foundation of what we believe, our faith is the key that grants us access to the foundation of what we believe. It is the faith that we have placed, not just in faith in general, that we're going to have some landing point, but it's faith in a specific thing. And that person is Jesus Christ and that by which our salvation has been granted. And so there is no other way. It's the key. It's a single key. And it is our hope, our faith is our hope, and it's our confidence. And so, not just in the hope and confidence in the salvation side, but when we have this relationship with God, we have this hope and confidence that when life throws us a curveball, when life gets out of control, when things get, things get scary or difficult or complicated, that God is with us in the midst of that circumstance. And for a believer, if you remove that hope, if you remove that faith, it removes everything from us. In addition to those things, it is a gauge. Our faith is a gauge. It's a thermometer that tells you and I kind of where we are with our relationship with God. Again, I said earlier that it gives us an idea to know that if I'm growing in my faith or not. It's, um, although we're not a feelings-based religion, There's certainly something that happens that when I'm growing in my faith, I can feel that growth in my faith. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But the last thing about a faith, about a believer, which is really cool, is that our faith gives us this divine insight into the supernatural. Let me say it again. Our faith, really through the the power of the Holy Spirit gives us divine insight into the supernatural. What do I mean by that? That means that as a believer, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us and gives us this new set of eyes and ears that allows us to be in tune to things that are going around us in almost like matrix-like fashion to allow us to see things around us that are happening that in our natural lives we never could have seen outside of the Holy Spirit's influence. A.W. Tozer says it this way in his book, Disruptive Faith. He says, faith translates the invisible world into the visible. And so by the eye of faith, we see what the hand of God is doing around us. Man, it's so cool. I wonder how many mature, faith-filled believers in this place have a shelf to put that on and can draw on a testimony about that. Where you have been in the situation, and, and, you, and, and, and really it all starts not just because you just have this, this uh, clairvoyancy and you can see things, but it all comes where you have a, this, this prayer that you pray. It's a bold prayer. And it's not just this prayer to be able to see things like you're some psych person, like, you, you, know, uh, you know, psychic where you can see things around you. But God only reveals things to us with the intent for you to do something about it. He doesn't just show you stuff to go, ahead isn't that cool? Look at that. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, you know. You know, it's not because we can read people's minds and understand people's thoughts. He shows us things for the purpose of using you as a person of influence and insight to be a person to go make a difference in those situations. So as a believer who's filled with the Holy Spirit, someone who's full of faith, man, when, you're full, when your faith is growing in your relationship with God, you can pray a bold prayer in the morning It says, Father, here's what I want you to do today. Father, for your glory, will you allow me to have your eyes and your ears? Will you allow me to move slowly through my day to be able to see somehow through how you see the world, to see what you're doing around me, to allow me to lock eyes or to perceive what's happening around me today in some capacity to allow me to be used by you for your glory and for your purpose. Man, if you'll pray prayers like that, I'm telling you what, It'll be amazing what you can see in the eyes of total strangers, inside your children, inside your spouse, inside your coworkers, inside the cashier, inside your waitress. God will give you insight into the unseen world of things that he's doing, and he'll invite you in to be a part of the story. And those things will grow your faith like crazy. Crazy. Because what we are doing is real. I know that what we do, and for the majority of like Christians, we've been somehow duped into thinking that this is a consumer thing, that we get all the God that we can to make our lives better, and we just kind of somehow manage ourselves that way. But man, we've missed the boat if we forget the fact that God is giving us these skills and this ability and the Holy Spirit for the purpose of like making a difference in the world around us. Slow down and be a listener. Those that have the Holy Spirit in you, be a listener. Open your eyes that have spiritual eyes and see what's going on around you. Pray for the opportunity. And then by faith, there's that word. When the opportunity's there, step out and be courageous and watch your faith grow. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You want to please God, don't you? Because anyone who wants to come to him must first believe that God exists. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, what, what's Paul? Well, what's a, well, Paul or Apollos, whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't really know. But without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. So there's a, there's a transaction that must take place by faith. And he rewards those that earnestly or sincerely seek him. So whether you're a Christian or not, it's important to know that faith is the key and there's only one key. The gate to heaven, the gate to salvation has one door and the door has one key and that is Jesus Christ. And so before I go any further, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page because I don't know you all. It's impossible to know who's going to watch online in the future and who's all in this room today and what your spiritual condition is. And so what I'm getting ready to explain to you and your Christian friends around you want you to hear this. And our Christian friends, I want to challenge you to pray with me as I share this information because what I want to make sure is that everyone in the room understands what faith is, number one, and and what the access point is to Jesus Christ. I want to share what the plan of salvation is and how it works. Because it's important for you to understand it. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, and if, you've never, if you don't consider yourself a church person and that kind of stuff, you can tune out of everything else I'm saying, but, but don't tune out of what I'm getting ready to say for the next three or four minutes. And Christian, I want you to pray for me while I'm talking about this. Because if what I'm saying is true, and I believe it is, then everything in this world hinges on these next three minutes for you as a non-believer, as someone who's just curious. Not only that, though, God's Word says that every one of us has to give an account for the information that I'm getting ready to share to you, whether you receive it or you reject it. And I pray that you'd receive it. Man, I pray that you would receive it. So it starts with this. Here's the proposition. Is that faith begins... I want to write this down. Faith, And everybody can write this down. Faith begins where self-reliance ends... And complete trust in God begins. So faith begins where self reliance ends, and complete trust in God begins. And so, so there's a self reliance component. We've all grown up, and we've heard the statement if you want something done, you gotta do it yourself. We've all worked on team projects, group projects, and like you like no one else does any work, and you're like the only one stuck doing it, and so you have to do it yourself. And so we, we've all understand this principle. And so that principle can work in every other aspect of your life, but it cannot work in the aspect of your salvation. It cannot work with your eternal security. It cannot work with what happens after you die. I told you that there is this place, there's a choice between heaven and hell. And you can't do anything about which direction in which you choose. You can't just be a great person. You can't just follow religious rules. You can't just go to church. You can't just make people happy. You can't make God happy with you just doing things or giving all kinds of money away. You can't do any of that you have to make sure that you have the key that opens the only door to give you the confident hope that you can have this eternal life. And so self-reliance isn't going to get you there. And so faith begins where self-reliance ends. So that means there's an end to what you can do, and you have to have complete trust. I mean, trusting God to be able to take over from here. And so here's what I mean by that. It's that since you can't save yourselves, and what are you saving yourselves from? Well, there's a penalty of sin is that all of us in this world, we have all sinned, we've all screwed up, we're all imperfect people. If you don't believe it, ask somebody who loves you to say, am I perfect? They're going to tell you, heck no. We're imperfect people, and God's holy, and sin is unholy. And so only only holy people, only holy souls are going to be able to go to heaven. And so we we have to be changed. Something has to change us from being unholy to holy. And so in order to be holy, we have to, have, we have to pay the price of sin. And we can pay it ourselves, which is death. And that death is, is hell separated from God, which we don't want to do. So how do we avoid that? Well, someone else has to pay it. Well, who's capable of paying the sins that I've done? Well, that's the cool part, is that God sends Jesus Christ. And he not just only saves your sins, but he has the opportunity to save the sins of mankind, that anybody who would profess that Jesus Christ is their Lord and would believe in their heart by faith and would confess with their mouth that he is Lord, he'll forgive them of their sins, fixing the holiness problem, and giving them a home eternal in heaven, becoming their forgiver and their leader. And what takes place at that point is that not only does he forgive you of your sins, but then you have this incredible affection for him. And your affection for God rises to such a degree is that you'll surrender your life to him because your life, you'll realize that it doesn't matter. I've, given, I've had the greatest transaction that takes place. I now have an understanding of eternity and this temporal world that I live in is such a small thing in comparison to what God has offered to me in eternal life. And so we surrender our life to him to follow him. That's what it means to surrender our hearts when we say that. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that for by grace, grace is something that you get that you don't deserve, for by grace you're saved, how? Through faith. It's a gift from God. It's not from anything that you've done, otherwise you'd brag about it, or you'd work harder to get it. So imagine that. Your sins can be completely forgiven through simply putting your faith and trust in God. It's a free gift. You don't jump through religious hoops. It's by faith. Faith is the key that unlocks your salvation and forgiveness of sin. It's simply absolutely amazing. And I pray, I pray, I pray that that got through your head and into your heart today, maybe for the very first time. Because you can't save yourself. You have to trust God to save you. Faith begins where self-reliance ends and complete trust in God begins. A.W. Tozer again, the great religious thinker, he says, those who worship self-reliance, that's self-dependence, find themselves in terrible bondage. They trust themselves all the way to full separation from God for all eternity. It's sad. So have you surrendered your life to Jesus? If you haven't done it, don't wait to the end of the message to do that. You can do it in your seat where you are right now. You simply just confess to him. Say, Lord, I need you. I recognize I need you. And place your faith and trust in him today. At the end of the message, you'll have an opportunity to respond. Or if you're watching at home, you can text the word surrender to nine seven zero zero zero. And if you're here today, you're going to get a copy of our New Believers Packet to help you understand what it means to surrender your life. But if you're at home, we'll, we'll hand deliver this to you. You can come pick it up for us. We'll mail it to you, whatever's convenient for you. But we want you to know how you can start your relationship off with God and grow your faith. It's essential that you do that. Because faith is, Charles Spurgeon says, that faith is not taking an irresponsible leap into the dark. It's taking a well-placed step onto a trusted foundation of the rock of ages. That's Jesus Christ. That's God. He's provided a way for you. And I pray that you would do that. And so now that you understand what that is, I want to talk again to Christians in general. Because I've told you that your faith and your growth in your faith is what is the, the kind of the litmus test or your barometer, so to speak, of how you're growing. And I know that every one of us, we want to have that growing faith that we want to feel God's presence. And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we understand the context of that is through the decision to follow Jesus Christ. But we also know that that, that faith that grows, finds, it, it gives us this joy with our relationship with God. It, it stirs our heart with God, and this is what you want. And so I want to give you this morning some practical ways to know how you can keep your faith stirred and how you can keep it growing so it doesn't grow stagnant. Because your faith just wasn't the starting point of your relationship with God. For a Christian, our faith is the entirety of the Christian life. Your faith should constantly be in a state of growth. It's not just a one point in time thing. It should be constant. And so I said earlier that our faith is a gauge by which we measure and experience our spiritual growth. So let's begin and look at some of the ways in which we can feed it or grow it. So the first one, write this down, is our faith grows when it's fed. Write that down. Our faith grows when it's fed. So how do you feed your faith? Well, one of the ways that we feed our faith is through the knowledge of God's Word. You do yourself well by getting as much of this book inside you as possible, by studying it and memorizing it by going to Bible-filled churches where you will hear God's Word proclaimed and taught, by studying it, doing devotions, and, and being hungry and being a student of God's Word. You also become fed with God's Word when you have godly relationships or people can speak truth into your life that has been founded and rooted in God's Word. But you also can feed upon God's Word by the testimony of others. I I wonder how many people in the room could attest to this that there is just something about hearing the testimony of somebody that you know really well who is growing in their faith and like has a real faith story. Like like this is what was happening, and then God did this, and this is how things changed. Like those kind of stories. Because I've watched, I've watched video testimonials of people like that. You ever watch like you're on YouTube or you're at some conference or, or even a pastor like you don't know the guy but you're at a conference and he's like, well, let me tell you a story back in 1997 and they 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 tell this story but I don't know the guy and it's an inspiring story, and or the lady on the video it's an inspiring story but I don't know them. And it may tug a heartstring and it's compelling and it's well, it's, it's really well thought out and it's really concise and it's just awesome. But I don't, I don't know them. And as much as it's inspiring, sometimes this lacks some transformation for me. But I'm telling you what, I sit in a small group with some friends who I know really, really well and I've walked alongside for a while and they kind of clunkily tell their story. Because they haven't, like, st- like they're still kind of working out the details. Like, they, they don't have it all polished out. And there's not even like, the music bed underneath, and, like, you know, there were scenes where they're walking down a stream. And I don't know. It's like they're just like, I'm just going to tell you, like, how it happened. And, like, this is what was happening. And then God showed up, and this is what changed. And you're like, I know you, and I know you're real. Like, you're real. Like, I can touch your head. You're a real person. Or I walked alongside you during this situation. And it's real. And it transforms me. My faith is fed off of that. Have you ever sat in a room with somebody that you know really close who had a real encounter with God and your faith grew because of their testimony? Folks, That's a great way to feed our faith. What power sits inside of your testimony? You have the capacity to be able to do the same thing, to be a broker of your story, to share that with people who need to hear it. And your story, just like it feeds your faith to hear it, will actually strengthen your faith to share it. That's why things like small groups are so important. Godly relationships are so important. Our faith grows when it's fed. It's not just reading all of God's word that we can. There's other ways for that to cultivate itself. Let's move on. Our faith also grows, write this down, through personal encounters with God. Well, our testimonies were personal encounters for sure. But I was talking about our personal encounters where more of that conduit or feeding. But we also know that those personal encounters were part of the growth process for us. Because while we were going through that personal encounter, while God was doing that transformative work in our lives, it was growing us. But how else does those personal encounters work? I know for me that that when I'm spending time in God's Word through prayer, and His Word is just alive, and it's... As if every page and every verse was written to me. I feel like my faith is just, like, are you kidding me? Like, God, seriously? Like, how is it possible that everything I'm reading right now is just coming at me, like, from you? How much we love those moments. we talked about it a minute ago, how how bad it can feel, too, when I'm just jumping around. But our faith grows through those personal encounters with God. One of the things, my favorite things to do is to journal, especially in those times where God is just speaking to me, speaking to me, speaking to me. Because when I have those dry moments with God where I'm just like, man, I don't know why. Why, God, are you so quiet right now? God, why do you feel so distant right now? Sometimes I'll go back and minister to myself by reading previous pages of journals when God was speaking to my heart, and it reminds me, do not stop the discipline of chasing after God and seeking his face because he rewards those who earnestly seek him, persevere. Seek him like you're seeking a buried treasure. My faith also grows to personal encounters with God through sanctification. Asking God what's next. God, what do you want to do next? God's the potter, we're the clay. God wants to continue to work inside your life. You hear me talk about this all the time, but I will never grow tired of telling you how important it is for you to surrender something else. What's next, God? What's next, God? What's next, God? What do you want to do next in my life? Where is God placing his finger in your life right now that he wants to do some work? Oftentimes, it's in the place of one of your greatest tensions inside your heart. I love what God's been doing inside of me recently. It's been beautiful to watch so many different things that I have surrendered to him that it's been like, wow, thank you, God. There's freedom here, uh, new freedom here, new freedom here. And I'm in a place where I'm like, God, what's next? And where he has his finger right now in my life, I'm like, oh, oh. And and you know where I found that, that next, what next thing was? is that every time, in every scenario, whenever this topic would, would come up in a discussion, I felt something in my heart, harden and just kind of like, ah. There was a tension inside my heart that I didn't like. It was like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to answer that phone call. I don't want to be around that. And every time that that particular topic would, would kind of surface, something inside me would just kind of like not feel right. And it was inconsistent with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It, it was like warring against that. And so my first temptation was just to ignore that. And let me, let me just get away from that, because it felt good to just to get away from that. Let me focus on all the great things God's doing. And God's like, wait, 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 wait. The thing that's inconsistent with me is what I want you to work on. So maybe for you, it's the same thing. Maybe there's something inside of you right now that every time that person or that thing or that issue is, is on topic in your heart and in your mind, the thing that just kind of brings you the most, ah. Maybe that's the place that God's saying, let's get busy here. Because what you might find out is that that thing is connected to three or four other areas that will make, when God fixes that, it may create such a beautiful release in so many other areas of your life. Because i watched God do that in this area and in that area. Why do I think it's not possible that God can't do it here also? All right, God, let's get to work. That's what I'm praying for you. Our faith grows with personal encounters with God. Some of those are painful, which takes me to my next point. That our faith is a muscle, and so it has to be exercised. So our faith grows stronger the more it's used. And so think of a muscle. Like, how do we build muscle? We have to exercise our muscle. Do we like exercise? No. Building muscle hurts. I, I went on a long bike ride yesterday, my first long bike ride since I've been really trying to get back into health. Um, I've been doing a lot of Peloton bike riding. It's been a real blessing to have that in my home. And, and, uh, but I'm like, i got to get back out into the sunshine and on the road. And, and I just decided to go for a long ride yesterday. And I'm hurting in places I didn't know I could hurt today. <laughs> but it feels good. Like, I'm like, okay, good. That was right. That was the right thing to do. But our faith grows bigger the more it's stretched, just like our natural muscles grow bigger the more it's stretched. Our, our, our natural muscles grow bigger when there's resistance. Your faith grows bigger when, it's, when resistance has been applied. The process of growing our faith is painful, just like your muscles, but it's rewarding. And just like in the gym, the hardest parts are getting started, the first step, like faith. Think about a big step of faith you've had to take. That, that first step is a doozy in a step of faith, right? You've taken those before. You're like, oh my gosh, can't do it. The first step's hard, but not just the first step, it's the last rep. When you're in the gym, it's that last rep. I just can't. I can't. I can't. With faith, it's not the last rep. It's the last hour. It's that last hour when you're waiting for God. When you're wondering why He's not answering. When it seems like He's silent and it seems like you're beginning to wonder if He even cares. That last hour gets scary sometimes. And it can be the hardest. I've been reading a lot from the author E.M. Bounds, a book that he wrote in, in 1907. And he says this, he says, Faith gathers strength by waiting and prayer. <laughs> Faith gathers strength by waiting and prayer. Sometimes in that last hour, you can feel like the darkest and hardest hour, but that's where you're st- growing your strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint. See, God's not limited by your weakness. But you are limited by your faith. And so it behooves you to strengthen that muscle. God will build your faith and strengthen your faith in a preparatory way. He's preparing you already for assignments that he has for you in the future. And so he will do work in you now to prepare you for those days. And so he has different ways that he works on us. Some of those things are painful, and some of those things are things that God does, like as a loving father would do from a disciplinary standpoint. Here's four different ways that God exercises Faith, and there's probably more, but this is the ones that I've seen in my life, seem like most often. The first way is through hardships and trials and pain. I seem to grow in my faith when I go through those things. First Peter says that these things have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, even though it perishes through that process, those troubles and trials, it's proved genuine and results in praise, glory, and honor. Your faith is strengthened through it all. God also exercises and grows and strengthens my faith through discipline. So sometimes I need to be corrected. And in that corrective process, God grows me and strengthens my faith. There's other times that God, and this is the fourth, third way, is that he'll test me. He'll take me through a test. Um, A lot of times he'll teach me things in his word, and I'm like, okay, you know, I've got that. I'm going through something right now where I'm like, all right, uh, I recently and I won't share the details of it because it's personal, but I, I you know was reading some things. I'm like, okay, I think I've got that, and then he gave me an application in my life, and I'm like, okay, uh, I realized this is this is like you know, situation and I failed the test. I'm like, oh I thought I understood it in your word, but then I failed it here. And then I like, immediately went back to God's word. I'm like, okay, Lord, I just failed this test. This was like a I thought I understood it. I just was presented the situation, and I blew it. And then so I, like, repented of that. I'm like, okay, God, I I thought I understood this. I'm so sorry. And so, like, two days later, I get the same test again. I get a retake. And it wasn't as obvious. It wasn't like it was not. If if it was the same test with the same heading, it would be different, right? But it it had a whole different scenario. But when I finally stopped and looked at it, I'm like, it's the same test. At the end of, it, it's just the same test. And I was able to pass the test. And I'm like, yes. I learned it. I hope there's not a third one. (laughs) But you're the same way. My faith got stronger. Because I feel like I'm understanding. The last way that God grows me is through willful surrender. Willfully surrendering to him. That's where I come to God and say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to push me? How do you want to grow me? What do you want to do? Come on, come on, come on. One of those great ways that God does that is through sacrificial giving and through sacrificial serving. And of all those different ways that we look at, through hardship and through discipline and through test and through willful surrender, which one do you think brings God the most joy? When we as children just say, God, let me... Let me, just, let me just say yes. I want to grow my faith and so say, let me surrender. And so some of you understand the principle of sacrificial giving and through serving. But today, the lens I want to focus on is through serving. And so God tells us in his word that as believers, that we should have, our faith should have evidence. I said in the beginning that our faith is invisible but it shouldn't be unnoticed. And so let's look at that. James says this in James chapter 2, verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of them says, go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, well, what good is that? In the same way, by faith itself, if it's not accompanied by action, well, it's dead. Billy Graham says, for faith to be present, action is required. This is what God's Word is teaching us. Although your faith is invisible, it shouldn't be unnoticed. It should be seen. It's been said that a faith that does not act is a faith that's just an act. There should be some level of action. And 1 Peter 4.10 says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And we should use them well to serve one another. If you have a gift of speaking, well then speak. Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Well, then do it with all the strength you have. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And so, folks, my job today is not to guilt you into serving or to compel you into serving. I'm just here to tell you that our faith, as much as I want it to serve you well in your life and to make your life better, make wiser decisions, live with fewer regrets, it needs to have an output, And in addition to the church, in addition to you needing to have an output to your faith, the church has needs. And our church is getting ready to go through a new growth season. God is going to send us new people to this place. The staff is on their knees like I've never seen them pray before. And I promise you, we are going to allow God to lead this place like we've never seen him lead before. He's doing a work inside my heart that I am just thrilled of what he's doing. And I'm confident that, he, that we have some incredible days ahead. And he's going to send us a new wave of people. But when they get here, I want to make sure that we service them well. And so we don't have every need of the church listed outside, just the ones that we have critical needs in. And so will you please just take a moment as you leave here today and take a listen and take a look and make sure that you sign up to serve with us. Some of those areas out there um, you know, require background checks. Uh, we want to make sure our kids are protected. So we kind of have a saying here, you know, um, we want to make sure, you know, if you're going to serve with kids, you got you have to do a background check. So we have kind of a saying, if if you're a perv, don't sign up to serve, you know. Um, so um, did he just say that? Uh, that's not really a saying. Uh, it, <laughs> You won't forget it though you send me a text I was offended by that I'm a per oh wait a minute let me pray for you thank you for laughing with me father I uh listen Lord I appreciate the heart of this place I know I know that we're silly here sometimes but we take you really seriously and Lord it's an opportunity for us to be able to serve you today and so I pray that we'll take that seriously because the faith that you've given us is a building faith. And that's how we build our life, upon faith and upon serving you. And so, Father, I pray that you will be pleased on everything that we do to serve you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.